wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Welcome, folks, to the final Wrestle Rant Radio of 2017. As always, we're bringing you the results of the 2017 5th Annual WWE-NXT Year in Review Awards. And for the third time of the four times that we've done this on Wrestle Rant Radio for the first time in many months, we got John Nav back on the show. John, what's going on, brother? What's going on, Grant? Thank you for having me on the show. It has been too damn long since I've been on Wrestle Rant Radio. Glad to be back and glad to be doing you in review polls right now. we got some interesting polls going on right now. I know. A lot of surprising results. I was looking back on it this morning for the first time since I put up the polls earlier this month. I wanted to stay away from them as far as possible to be surprised when I looked at them. And reviewing the polls this morning, I was definitely surprised at what some people picked. Uh, we'll be talking all about that. But before we get started, John, overall... Your thoughts on WWE in 2017? Because we've talked about this before. You and I have been big proponents of the years of yeah. 2015, 2016. Where does 2017 fall for you? Well, I guess we're starting off with uh, the big home run question. Huh? Some uh, engaging content to kick off the show. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I don't know. I would have to say that 2017, in a word, underperformed. I thought that... Um, there were a lot of, of great avenues to explore and a lot of new routes to go. And I think overall, it was more or less an extension of, of 2016. I didn't really see them taking the, the creative in any new directions that I thought would change the landscape of the company. They've been playing it really safe uh, recently. And not that that's a bad thing. I, I don't think that it was a terrible year by any means, mm-hmm. but... Um, I think when you when you look back, and you and I have obviously talked about this before, but when you look back on a year, you got to look at you know the the, the pay per views. I mean, what what did they? How did they do? And yep. I would say more more often than not, in twenty seventeen, we got some lackluster, you know, Raw or SmackDown quality pay per views that you know people shouldn't be paying for, but it's just you know it's just how it's been going. Thankfully, we got the WWE Network. Is if I was paying sixty bucks a month. For shows like Battleground and Fastlane and shows like that, I would be pissed <laughs> off as a fan. So, thankfully, yeah, we got yeah. the network. But even then, people aren't watching every single network special. I think this year, from what someone had told me, we had more pay-per-views in 2017 than we have any other year with the exception of 2006, which also had 16. Is that too many for oh, you? My. I would say, yeah. I mean, the, the current format is just something that... Um, it, it's not it's not great for creative like I mean it's no secret that you know when you want a good story to build up over a couple months having a new pay-per-view every two weeks is, uh, it, it hurts the creative in my opinion but I mean it doesn't look like they're gonna go away from this model I, I would be all for you know the, the big four pay-per-views and then maybe like a couple B, B pay-per-views you know but uh, 16, 16 a year it does seem like a little bit too much in my opinion I think they're going to have 14 in 2018 based off the tentative early schedule for the uh, for next year. I think they're just taking away yeah. Great Balls of Fire and 
No Mercy, I believe. So we're still going to have a lot of pay-per-views, hopefully. I mean, thankfully, less. Um, but yeah, I think it's just... I think less is more having the big four, and you can have the other B-shows, but shows like Hell in the Cell, Extreme Rules. I mean, we watched Extreme Rules together earlier this year. How forgettable was yeah. that pay-per-view? <laughs> I honestly couldn't even tell you to play the card of Extreme Rules at this <laughs> right? point. And you have a great memory, too, so the fact that I, yeah. not even, I can't remember the matches either, and that was only like six months ago, too, so it's, it's pretty yeah. abysmal how uh, a lot of forgettable pay-per-views we've had this year but hopefully they're they're going to move away from that and deliver more home runs with their major events in 2018 but speaking of the WWE Network our first poll in the 2017 year in review awards I had the WWE Network show of the year now I'm not talking about pay-per-view which we'll talk about in a second um, I'm talking shows like Table for Three, Bring It to the Table, Storytime, WWE 24, Talking Smack which ran as a regular show up until July and the uh, most recent Mae Young Classic. Uh, we didn't have a lot of Great content, original content on the network this year. We had some pretty good shows. Ride Along, I excluded from that poll, but that was good too. Um, not as good as previous years. I know when we reviewed the polls you know, in 2014, 2015, it was one out by the Stone Cold Podcast and stuff like yeah. that, but we didn't have the Stone Cold Podcast this year. We didn't really have anything major like that with the exception of the Mae Young Classic, and that one out this poll, obviously, with uh, 52.86% of the poll. And the only runner-up was, uh, let's see, WWE 24 with 18% of the polls. So your thoughts, John, on the Mae Young Classic winning the poll and the WWE content in general of 2017? I'm not too surprised by the Mae Young Classic winning this. Absolutely not. I mean, this is really the only kind of engaging, really super engaging thing that you know WWE put on the network this year. I mean, with the Cruiserweight Classic last year, this year they're doing the Mae Young Classic. And, uh, or they did the Mae Young Classic. And it was really the kind of kind of the only thing that really made fans tune in in droves because it was something new, it was something interesting. And then if you look at the rest of the list, it's just it's stuff we've had since February 2014, really. Kind of just the the, the main you know the mainstay of the WWE Network, WWE 24, Table for Three, Bring to the Table, all that. You know, so it's 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 not too surprising that the May Young Classic won here. But I will say, WWE 24 really is just some of the greatest stuff that they do put on the network. Mm-hmm. I, I love the documentary documentary style you know content that they do on the network a, a better look inside and behind the lives of these of these athletes so i, I am not surprised that may young classic one but i think ww24 maybe should have got a little more than 18.57 percent of the vote huh yeah that was a little surprising too i i, I wasn't that shocked that may young classic won it out but i mean it was a bit of a landslide and it was a great show for as long as it lasted it was they did a, a different style of the May Young Classic than they did the uh, Cruiserweight Classic last year. This time around, they only released four episodes at once as opposed to doing it weekly with the Cruiserweight Classic. Um, but yeah, the WWE 24, I mean, has always been amazing. I think it's been running now for about three years since close to the yep. inception of the network. Uh, this year alone, we had the WrestleMania Monday one, WrestleMania yep. 32 in Dallas, uh, Finn yep. Balor, Kurt Angle, Goldberg, and every single one of those installments was absolutely incredible. Um, so I do absolutely agree that those that that WWE 24 deserved more votes than what it got. Um, Talking Smack for as long as it was around before they cut it short in July was also awesome. Um, I know that was more of a uh, cost-cutting measure, but that was yeah. a great show too. But hopefully we get more original content like that in the WWE Network in 2018. Uh, speaking of which, John, is there any show or any style of show that you wish to see either brought back or kind of uh, be created for 2018 on the WWE Network? Well, I, to the day I die, I will always say that having like 
<laughs> that Legends Roundtable, I mm-hmm. thought was such a <laughs> such a cool thing that they had on on the WWE on demand, the twenty four seven stuff of way before the network came out. And of course, we've talked about it before on this platform. And you know, I've always been a big fan of it. But I just think that you know, you really get a look uh, inside. You know. All the, the careers of so many superstars when you have, you know, four or five legends sitting around a, a table with, you know, JR or someone mediating the discussion. And, and that and that type of show really is, it really is so interesting to watch. And you learn so much about the history uh, of the business and the industry. Um, if, if they could bring that back and maybe just with some new legends, you know, we, we got some guys who've grown older in years who could probably qualify, you know, as a legend who wasn't, who weren't exactly legends when the show first started back in what, like 2006. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, if they brought that back with some new, some new personalities, that could definitely be a fun show for people. Yeah, I know you and, said and that. It, and it's really, it's really not like a high budget. Uh, yeah. Like, it's like it's a very low budget thing. You just sit around a table and talk. <laughs> exactly. Like I know we've discussed this before, but it's like how do you not have something like that already? They have so many legends under contract, under like legends deals. They don't really do anything with. And a guy like Jim Ross, who they recently resigned earlier this year, he's been I think at WrestleMania, a few takeover shows, the May Young Classic. Yep. But that's about it. He hasn't done anything else, the UK thing. Um, but other than that, he has not done much else for WWE. Now, I know he has limited dates, like a Brock Lesnar-like deal, uh, a Brock Lesnar-like deal for commentators. But it's like, how do you not bring him in for more WWE Network stuff to really make the most of what you have in a guy like Jim Ross? Yeah, exactly. And I just think that, you know, they do have the table for three, obviously, which is it's a similar idea to the, the Legends of Wrestling Roundtable. But, I mean... It, the people for three, the the tone of the show is just a lot more, you know, relaxed, uh, not exactly like hard hitting stuff going on. Every now and then you get a good conversation with, you know, three like with AJ Styles, Shawn Michaels, and Kevin Nash. Like you get some like hard hitting stuff with uh, with some different personalities on there. But I'm telling you, that legend of wrestling round table. If you haven't seen that, definitely go check it out if you're listening because it is some great stuff on there. Yeah, definitely one of the more hidden gems of the network now, because I know when the network first came out, we binge-watched a few episodes together. You've seen every episode, um, but now it's like hard to go back and find them because they're in the vault or in the collections or whatever it is, but if you just search it up, way I'm sure you can find it. Yeah, way back in the vault, so people can definitely check that out. It's one of the more hidden gems of the network now, especially with as many you know as much content as they have on there currently, um, and all the pay-per-views. And speaking of the pay-per-views, like I said, we had 16 this year. And you and I are big proponents of the fact that, like you had said earlier, John, like, pay-per-views really, not make or break a year, but they really stand out to me. Like, if you have a great pay-per-view or a great string of pay-per-views, like 2015, for example, I don't think many people would regard that as an amazing year, but we really, really enjoyed that year because for a time, like, one pay-per-view after another was really, really good, especially in, like, the spring or summer. Like, we were getting great pay-per-views, like, every single month. And I honestly can't go back and tell you that we had... I mean, maybe one or two really, really good shows this year, um, but a solid string of, like, excellent events from start to finish. We really had a lot of decent shows, a lot of very forgettable or bad shows like Extreme Rules. Very few home run of pay-per-views. Now, for the network specialty or for the, for the uh, options, I had the Royal Rumble. Money in the Bank, in retrospect, it probably should have put WrestleMania in its place, but I thought Money in the Bank at the time, three or four weeks ago, was better than what it was. But I put Money in the Bank yeah. in there. Uh, Great Balls of Fire, TakeOver Brooklyn 3, TakeOver War Games, and the United Kingdom Championship Tournament, the day two of the tourney from back in January. So, all great events, in my opinion, some better than others, obviously. Um, but for the first time ever in the five years we've been doing this, 
We had a tie at 31 point <laughs> tie at 31.8% each for two takeovers, one for Brooklyn 3 and the other one for War Games. And it's so funny this happened for this poll of any other just because I was doing my own year in review for Next there a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago. And it was hard to decide of the two to me which one was the show of the year. And they were both so yep. good and they both had other, you know, different things to offer. Great matches, great moments, debuts, this and that. Um, and it's really hard to tell, but we're we're ending up with a tie here with Takeover Brooklyn three and Takeover War Games. Uh, John, your thoughts on the tie? Well, this is this is historical right here, Ram. So <laughs> you should be making a lot bigger of a deal than you are right now. Yeah. No, honestly, I think, I think it's very telling that out of what six uh, options on the poll, the two NXT uh, specials tied. I mean, it wasn't like it was Brooklyn and, and the Rumble that tied. It was it was War Games and Brooklyn that tied. So I think that just goes to show it's a testament to how well NXT has done in 2017 as compared to the, the main roster creative. But before before I get into my thoughts on you know you know what pay per view I thought performed better in my opinion, I just want to you know do a little do a little history lesson, not even a history lesson, just a little let's we'll break it down real quick. <laughs> Uh, what what makes a good pay per view? You know, like what what is, what is the reason someone will look back and say, "Oh, that was a great pay per view" or something like that? Obviously, it's the quality of matches, right? But in a, in a much broader sense, it's the anticipation and the hype going in, and then also the the suspense and the 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 desire, the the need for more as the show ends, right? So unfortunately in twenty seventeen we've got a lot of shows that A, you weren't exactly excited for as they were rolling up, or if you were really excited, the show left you kind of like, oh well, I don't really care what happens next toward the end. A good and a good pay per view will both keep you excited going in and keep you wanting more going out. And I would say that Brooklyn Three and War Games did both both of those things, especially with the advent of Adam Cole down in the NXT scene. So I am not at all surprised about this uh, this tie right here. Well, I am surprised it's a tie, but I'm not surprised that NXT outperformed uh, the main roster as far as pay-per-views or WWE Network specials go. Yeah, I mean, again, like I said earlier, like 2016, 2015 had some really good pay-per-views on the whole anyway, and they were kind of, I mean, the takeovers were usually still superior um, but it wasn't as far of a gap as, as it is this year. There weren't really that many great pay-per-views. Like I said, the takeovers, though, we had takeover San Antonio, Orlando, Brooklyn, War Games, and Chicago. All five were fantastic. Brooklyn and War Games, in my opinion, were the best of the bunch, which is why I included them. If you had to give uh, an edge, John, to either takeover of the tie here, if you had to have the, the breaking tie, you got Brooklyn 3, War Games, which one do you go with? I would probably go war games only because it, it was so cool and it was so special to see that they had brought back the, the, the stipulation the match the actual war games match and i thought that it was a really a really cool idea on wwe's part long overdue in my opinion they should have done this years ago and i and i, I just loved how in, in nxt especially with their with their takeovers it feels like it's, it's like an all hands on deck effort to make the, the show great. Every every match tries to outperform the last, and they really want to keep the energy, you know, going up the entire night, and I feel like everyone has a hand in that on the NXT shows, where, you know, sometimes we'll have, like, a, a bathroom break match on, on, on the main show, where you know, get the crowd going, then something that comes down, but, you know, NXT has a lot of that more, like, uh, you know, internet darling flair that everyone loves, and everyone, you know, works hard to make those shows great, and so I do think that War Games 
what has the edge on Brooklyn Three only because I, I really enjoyed the return of the War Games match. Yeah, I would say the same. I think both shows are stellar. You can't really go wrong with either one. Um, but really, when you look at the main events, the overall shows were outstanding. But when you look at the main events, you have War Games. And I know Brooklyn 3 ended with Adam Cole's debut, which was phenomenal and a great moment. But you had Bobby Roode and Drew McIntyre, which wasn't a bad match. It was a good oh. match. But it paled in comparison to the War Games and the fact that it returned and... Um, the execution and people did not think that you know the hype was so huge that it might not live up to the expectations, but it did. It was a great match and it led to uh, Adam Cole and company emerging victorious. So I would say War Games as well, but yeah, like you said, first time ever here in the poll, we got Brooklyn Three and War Games evening it out. But I would go with War Games as would you, John. So we go from there to the feud of the year. Now I thought. Overall, I mean, we'll talk about matches later. I thought last year had better matches overall. Maybe it was the fact that we had the um, Cruiserweight Classic and a lot of great matches came out of that. But yeah. I think this year had better feuds between Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Maybe not great programming on the whole compared to past years, but we had a lot of re- really good feuds. And I thought um, the ones I included were pretty good here. So we had Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman, which lasted pretty much the entire year. Um, yeah. We had the New Day versus the Usos, which lasted, again, many, many months over the SmackDown Tag Team titles. We had Chris Jericho versus Kevin Owens, which lasted a lot longer than anyone expected it to, from their partnership to the breakup to Jericho even coming back in July to vie for Owens' yep. uh, U.S. title. Great stuff. AJ Styles and Shane McMahon was probably the lesser of all the feuds I included, which was why it was no surprise they got the least of the votes at 1%. Um, but I thought it was a good feud heading into WrestleMania, and it stole the show. Brock Lesnar versus Samoa Joe over the summer really heated up Samoa Joe in a big way, and one of the best things Brock Lesnar's done in recent memory. And finally, yeah. from NXT, Aleister Black versus the Velveteen Dream, which arguably stole the show at TakeOver War Games just last month, and they had one of the best feuds I've seen in quite some time, not only in NXT, but also in just the entire WWE. Um, so winning out the poll, we had Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. Not really running home with it. They, they won the poll with 39.73%. Uh, Runner-up was New Day versus Usos with 20.55%. So your thoughts on the feuds in WWE, John, in 2017? I mean, between Roman Reigns and, and Braun Strowman, like you said, Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman, that, that's going to back at the Rumble in January, mm-hmm. right? We, we, we probably saw them cross paths you know, slightly before then, but really this... This year really took off at the Royal Rumble, um, and it's crazy to think how long and how how much life they were able to put into this feud. So I, I'm in agreement that I think Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman is the feud of the year. It's not only just for how long it went, because anytime they can you know keep it interesting for as long as they did with these two guys, you gotta you gotta give your hat off to them. You know, tip your hat to them because. I think that they did a really good job with Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. And the thing is, they made Braun Strowman a star in all in all this. If you look at these other feuds, I mean, who else was made a star? Maybe other than Velveteen Green. Mm-hmm. Who else was made a star from the, from their feud? Uh, I can't like the New Days and the Usos were already you know already doing well. Uh, Owens and Jericho, not really. Styles with Man, no. Lesnar's Joe. Unfortunately, that one-off match and then Joe losing and kind of getting injured shortly thereafter too didn't help him and didn't really make him a star. Or at least a good star as he should be after facing Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. So I think that Braun Strowman's feud with Roman Reigns really did the most for him in terms of his career. He probably has Roman to thank for making him as big of a star as he is right now in the WWE. Personally, for me, I would say that just the story 
between Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens was the one that got me the most. And we'll get we'll get into it a little bit more when we talk about the next poll, which I believe is Shocker of the Year. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I would I would say that the the, the listeners, the, the the voters, they got it right with Roman Reigns or Strong Strowman. Yeah, I gotta agree. I really like this feud a lot. Um, you talked about earlier what makes a good pay per view. You got you, you pretty much just said the same thing about the feud of the year. What makes a good feud? Who really came out of it a, a, a made star? I mean, obviously Roman has been a multi time world champion, really lending a lot of credibility to Braun. He started the year with you know some momentum, um, coming off the wins off of um, you know with with Sami Zayn and a few other feuds in late 2016. But beyond that, he really didn't have many. You know, many matches, many wins under his belt coming into the new year. Roman really provided that opportunity for him. Not only, you know, when they kicked off the feet of the Rumble, the match at Fastlane, which Braun lost, was still really good. And you also got to look at that, too. The matches they had were really a lot better than I think anyone would have ever expected uh, from Braun from Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. I did not think it would be as good as it was going to be. The Fastlane match was really, really good. The payback match, also great. The ambulance match at Great Balls of Fire, their inclusion in the Fatal 4-Way at SummerSlam, all great stuff. Now, Braun Strowman is arguably one of the hottest stars in WWE, largely thanks to that feud, and we'll get back to Braun later on this year. And we had a lot of other good feuds. Again, New Day and Usos had a lot of match of the year contenders. Jericho and Owens had some good matches, but I think you hit the nail right on the head with Roman and Braun and the fact that Braun kind of walked out of this a way bigger star heading into 2018 than before 2017 started. So they had yeah. a great feud. Um, speaking of feuds, real ki- uh, real quick, John, are there any feuds that you want to see happen in 2018 between Raw, SmackDown, and NXT? Oh, absolutely. I mean, right now, I I, I don't want to get out any predictions right now because I feel that that might be uh, you know, a topic for another show. But the, the thing I'm really interested to see right now is a little AJ Styles heel turn, and uh, let's see him and Shinsuke go at it for the WWE Championship going into 2018. That's what uh, that's what I'm here for. That's what my money needs. Is that a WrestleMania worthy match to you? Absolutely. That's the main event of WrestleMania. <laughs> Where you kidding me? It's the <laughs> WWE Championship. Let's get prepared for uh, Roman and Brock Part Two, and maybe Mahal and Cena for the WWE Championship. If they, if they do <laughs> oh, go back to that, I doubt it at this point. But hey, you never know. That's what you want, but that's what we're going to get, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, I, I also hope we get Styles and Nakamura. Hey, if you turn AJ heel, maybe you do AJ and uh, Rollins. If Rollins ends up on SmackDown in 2018, that'd be a, a good, a fresh feud as well. So we'll see, but there's a lot of uh, – I think the brand split now brings forth a lot of opportunities for fresh feuds because you don't see this. I mean, you see some of the same matches every week, but the brand split keeps people apart. Like, I have not seen AJ Styles in the same ring – with Finn Balor, other than TLC just recently. So a rekindling of that match or that feud, whatever, heading into the new year would also be pretty cool. Um, so as you mentioned, John, for 2017, the shocker of the year. This one probably shocked me more than any other for the polls um, that it put up wow. this year. So we had for the options, the candidates, as we had mentioned, Kevin Owens betraying Chris Jericho back in uh, the Festival of Friendship back in February. Roman Reigns retiring The Undertaker at WrestleMania 33. Braun Strowman putting Big Show through the ring, um, and I think in April, I want to say that's when that was, um, Sami Zayn turning heel at Hell in a Cell, Tommaso Ciampa attacking Johnny Gargano at the end of TakeOver Chicago, and Andrade Cien Almas winning the NXT Championship, so it was the NXT one, the second to last one, Ciampa attacking Gargano that won this poll, uh, which really surprised me, I mean the fact that Ciampa turned heel at that point 
very much surprised me. But a lot of these were surprising. I'm not surprised that Strowman putting Show through the ring was the uh, least amount of votes with 1%. Um, but we had for the runner-up, Kevin Owens portraying Jericho. And right behind that was uh, Andrade winning the NXT title last month at TakeOver War Games. Uh, John, your thoughts on the Shocker of the Year award going to Ciampa and Gargano? Well, I gotta say, Graham, I mean, look at this poll right now. There's there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of options that I could say I could see winning. It's, I guess that's a testament to, you know, how many surprises or, or shockers there have been in, in 2017. Now, I would not have voted for Tommaso Ciampa attacking Johnny Gargano only because it didn't um, result in what they had expected with Tommaso Ciampa getting injured shortly thereafter. So they didn't get to, you know, go into that huge feud that they were, were likely setting up for um, in the summer for those guys. But I would have voted for, and I'm going to preface this by saying with, with, with these shockers of the years or any kind of segment on Raw or SmackDown, I like to kind of categorize um, WWE content when I watch it as, is that is that going to make a DVD down the line as one of the best moments in uh, Raw or SmackDown history. That's kind of how I like to think about it. And of this list, the one that I can undoubtedly say was such a great segment and really one of the first times in a long time that I was like, wow, like, I did not see that coming. That was awesome. Like, like just truly great television was Kevin Owens portraying Chris Jericho at the uh, Festival of Friendship back in February to set up their WrestleMania match. And that was really, that was so well done. Made Kevin Owens look like, like just a huge jackass. And honestly, I would say that it was that segment that with Chris Jericho that has really kind of elevated Kevin Owens throughout the rest of 2017 because mm-hmm. he, he's just kind of been that unhinged, like, maniac that he is, you know, I'd say ever since he, he turned on, on Chris Jericho. And I think that this segment has done wonders for Kevin Owens, seeing as how everything has played out. And I, I, I voted for that. I wish that had won, but Tommaso Ciampa attacking Johnny Gargano was absolutely a, a worthy shocker of the year. Yeah, that's what I would have voted for, too. I mean, coming out of that festival, I mean, taking into account the entire segment, the whole festival of friendship thing in general was just super well done, was super awesome. You had Gilbert in there. You had the painting with Jericho, with Jericho presenting that to Kevin. The whole thing was really, really well done. It was comical, and Owen's kind of like, you know, I, I don't really want to be a part of this, but I don't think anyone was expecting at that point. They had teased tension a lot of times you know, prior to that point. I don't think anyone was expecting... Uh, KO to turn on Jericho, and the whole thing at the end, why is my name on this list? And then he beats the living crap out of him. It was so great, and that line is even repeated to this very day by fans on social media by Jericho. It was amazing. The whole thing was amazing, and it was, you know, it had people talking coming out of it like, is this up there with one of the best betrayals of all time? Is it up there with, you know, Sean and Jericho? When Jericho turned heel on Shawn Michaels back in 2008, or when Shawn super kicked Marty Jannetty through the glass in 1993, is it up there with those moments? I would say so. And that alone, um, I think, makes that the winner of this poll. I mean, it, it didn't really come that close. It was the runner up, but by like 20, you know, 15%, there's a difference there. But I would have gone with that, too. I mean, some of the other moments, Zayn turning heel was definitely shocking. Um, yeah. But again, like you had said, it wasn't... I mean, it's really, depending on how you look at it, shocking, it, that was probably the most surprising with Sami Zayn. And he has been elevated since that moment, but I think Kevin Owens, like you had said, I mean, really 
took 2017 by storm. He may not be my superstar of the year, but he was really one of the biggest MVPs in the company, not taking any time off, becoming a two-time, three-time United States champion, whatever it was. The feud with Jericho, the feud with AJ. One other moment I didn't put here in the poll that I, I think deserves recognition. I didn't put it because I put the uh, Festival of Friendship one with Owens and Jericho. But uh, with Owens attacking Mr. McMahon on SmackDown, that also shocked the hell out of me, and that really kind of yeah. brought forth that new aggression, uh, you know, that uh, the aggressive side that you uh, brought up, John. So I really, really enjoyed KO this year. That kind of set the stage for his awesome 2017. Chomping Gargano, again, a great shocking moment, but like you said, it was really just that, a moment because Ciampa got hurt, and they'll probably rekindle the feud, maybe a takeover, um, the, the takeover coming up, takeover Philadelphia. If Gargano comes close to winning the championship and, and Ciampa screws him over, that'd be awesome. But, um, uh-huh. yeah, I got to go with Owens and Jericho as well. Do you think in general, John, that this was a, a pretty shocking year for WWE? Oh, um, that's a great question. I think every year has, you know, every year has, has you know, some, some staple moments, some great shocking moments. I wouldn't say necessarily this year was any more shocking than any other year mm-hmm. that I've been a fan of, of WWE. But, um, I don't know. I think that I think that WWE was was definitely going for the element of surprise a lot. I mean, like that Sami Zayn heel turn, like you talked about earlier, was something that I certainly did not see coming. With the great cliff and that rivalry between Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon, that's still quasi going on. So I don't know. There, there were a lot of great shocking moments, but I wouldn't say this was the most you know shocking year since you know of the ten years I've been watching. And it's hard to create shocking moments in 2017, 2018, whatever, just with social media being around and dirt sheets and shit. It's very hard to surprise people nowadays, but I feel like with a lot of that stuff, the uh, KO, Jared KO breakup, no one saw that coming. Almost winning the championship, that was very surprising as well. The DIY breakup, Zane going heel, none of that stuff was reported ahead of time. Strowman and show is more of a moment than, than it was like, oh my god, this is shocking, which we've seen before. Yeah. And then Undertaker retiring, we kind of saw that coming. Just the way that it was done was kind of surprising, which was surprising in a good way. Um, but it, it is cool they got a lot of uh, shocking moments in in 2017. I also didn't include any returns on that list just because I had a separate category for return of the year, which we'll talk yep. about after the following category, which was the most disappointing wrestler of the year. So I've had this before. I took it away last year in favor of departure of 2016, biggest departure between, because we had so many people leave between like Del Rio and Barrett and Ryback and Cody Rhodes. And then Cody Rhodes won that one. We didn't have as many notable departures in 2017, so I replaced it and I brought back most disappointing wrestler of the year. So we had Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, Jason Jordan, Rusev, Bailey. And Dolph Ziggler. I know some of these people, I mean, Orton won the WWE title WrestleMania. Bray Wyatt, a former WWE champion this year. Bailey, a former Raw Women's champion. Jason yeah. Jordan just won the Raw Tag Team titles. That's not really who won what titles. It was really just on the whole how these people were used. And to me, they had very disappointing 2017s. And I like most of these people. They just were not used the way they should have, or at least not really largely on the whole in 2017. Uh, we talked about Shocker of the Year. Something that was not all that shocking was Bray Wyatt winning this poll with 39.73%, with the only other runner-up being, let me see here, uh, actually it was a tie between Rusev and Jason Jordan, then it was Bailey, uh, Bailey, and then Dolph Ziggler. Oh, wait, no, Rusev? Let me see here. Oh, sorry. Rusev and Randy Orton. Rusev and Randy Orton, I'm sorry, yeah. Rusev and Randy Orton, 
Then it was Bailey, Jason Jordan, and Dolph Ziggler. Or Dolph Ziggler, then Jason Jordan. Whatever. The, 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 the fact of the matter is that Bray Wyatt won this thing, had a, having a very disappointing 2017. And, John, we've talked about this before. Since the guy showed up on the scene, I think you will agree with me when I say that the... I hate to use the word burial, and I don't use it a lot, but the biggest downfall slash burial of Bray Wyatt was at WrestleMania 30, and the guy has not been used uh, correctly since that point in time. Absolutely. I mean, you can go in the face, in the face talking about this kind of thing with Bray Wyatt. I know I have. But um, I, I'll say I, I absolutely think that Bray Wyatt, not only the most disappointing wrestler of the year, but probably the most disappointing wrestler in the entirety of my fandom of wrestling, only in terms of the potential and and just the, the chops that he has in the ring on the mic, and how unfortunately he's used, uh, despite of how good he is, and that, and that has caused me the most anguish and disappointment as a fan. So I, I'm in a hundred percent agreement on this poll. I mean, you look back at Bray Wyatt's, you know. His resume, we'll say, thus far. Like you said, lost to John Cena at WrestleMania 30. Lost to The Undertaker at WrestleMania 31. Um, then he wasn't even on WrestleMania 32. He was, you know, made fun of by The Rock <laughs> in one of the closing segments. Eater of Hot Pockets. WrestleMania, WrestleMania Eater of Hot Pockets. And it's just that's the thing where you can you know. I know he's gonna lose. I don't care that he's a god, I don't care that, you know, he's here to, you know, do whatever. Sister Abigail's bidding or who cares, you know, because at the end of the day, I know that he's just gonna lose mm-hmm. when it counts the most. So I agree. Bray Wyatt, I'm sorry, brother, but most disappointing wrestler of the year for sure. I mean, you look at the feuds this guy had with Finn Balor, Randy Orton, just absolutely abysmal stuff. That shit was terrible. The matches were no good. The Rollins feud was like the the equivalent of the Ryback feud a couple years ago where, yeah, he won, but no one remembers it because it wasn't memorable in the slightest. Yep. And the only other good thing he's done this year, and yeah, he was WWE champion for a cup of coffee, and then he lost to WrestleMania, like you said. But the only other really good thing I think he's done this year has been in the last month with Woke and Matt Hardy. That is the only thing that has got me to care about Bray Wyatt. So hopefully 2018 will be a better year for him. Um, At this point, is he damaged goods? I mean, 2018 is going to mark five years that this guy's been on the main roster. So I'm not sure how much more you can do with this guy that you haven't already in trying to rehab his character. Um, is there any way, John, in 2018 that Bray Wyatt can get back on the right track, maybe a babyface turn, continuing to team or a feud or whatever with Woke and Matt? What do you see in store for Bray Wyatt in 2018? A, a babyface turn definitely wouldn't hurt. It definitely wouldn't hurt, first of all. I think also other ways to, to alter someone's per, perspective or people's perception of someone, the audience's perception, is maybe maybe a little bit of a stylistic change. Not not so much in the ring, but just how he appears. I mean, he's had the same look for quite some time right now. If Bray Wyatt came back, you know, maybe with a, a shaved face or, you know, buzzed head or something, then go go with a story off that. You know, use that as, as the, the starting point for a story, why he looks different. I mean, it sounds kind of, you know, dumb, but when you think about it, how, like, the Undertaker, when he shaved his head, 
between WrestleMania 27 and WrestleMania 28, and they said he, he cut his hair or he shaved his head every day or cut a lock of hair every day because he was so mad that he, lost, or he, he couldn't walk out of WrestleMania 27 on, under his own power. Mm-hmm. And, and, they made, and, it, and it came back, and he looked like a badass with that, with that you know, little mohawk and the buzzed hair. And it was a really cool look, and it, and it added to the Undertaker character. If Bray Wyatt were to do something like that, you know, similar to that, I think that could definitely help him. But unfortunately, you can put as many bows, as many ribbons on him as you want. If he's not winning huge or winning <laughs> matches that, that mean something, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. I mean, if, if he were to get into a big time feud, maybe have it a feud with Brock Lesnar that he never ended up getting into that was just kind of kiboshed for no reason. Have him beat Brock Lesnar or something. You gotta invest in this guy because, I mean, damage goods, sure, but there's, you still, you know, have the chops to get by. I just think that, you know, if you want him to be everything that he can be, you have to invest yeah, I mean, the guy's still good. He could still go. It's just that he's put in positions to fail. Like you said, you can do whatever you want with him. Turn him face, heel, tweener. It doesn't matter. As long as the guy is losing, no one's going to care. Um, I will say this, too. I mean, Rusev came into the year as really nothing special. End of the year is nothing special, other than the Rusev Day stuff, which has been awesome to watch, but they haven't really capitalized on that yet. Beyond that, um, in retrospect, I would probably take Rusev off the pole and put in uh, Finn Balor. And I like Balor, but his 2017 was also very disappointing between really not getting his title rematch, losing a lot of matches, the Bray Wyatt feud that I spoke about before, which was beyond terrible. And now he's facing fucking jobbers every single week. So I would put Balor on this pole too, but I still think Bray Wyatt would win out with as many votes as he got. Um, so we move into return of the year. We had a lot of good returns this year. So on the, uh, on the poll for the options, we had Kurt Angle at the Hall of Fame or the Raw at the WrestleMania, whatever. I just kind of combined it into one. His first appearance in WWE in over a decade. Uh, the Hardy Boys, WrestleMania 33. Finn Balor on the next night's Raw on April 3rd. Uh, Chris Jericho on SmackDown Live back in July 25th. Paige on Raw the night after Survivor Series with the rest of Absolution. And Shelton Benjamin in that backstage segment on SmackDown, two days removed from SummerSlam. So a lot of good returns for me, and I think this is an obvious, obvious, obvious choice. You got the Hardy Boys winning this out at WrestleMania 33. And Kurt Angle got a good amount of votes uh, votes as well with 34%. But it was the Hardy Boys, WrestleMania 33, which was why I did not put them with the Shocker of the Year because I knew they would win this one out at 50.68%. Their first appearance in the company since 2009 for Jeff, 2010 for Matt. Uh, how amazing was that moment for you, John? I mean, it couldn't be amazing than it was for you, man. You were there live. You got, the, you got the video on Twitter with thousands of likes on it, man. <laughs> this, is, this is your moment, not mine. <laughs> Talk to us about, about how it was to be I'm sure you have already, but... I mean, it, 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 in retrospect, was it the, the greatest return you've ever seen as a fan? I mean, dude, I would say before that, um, I got to say the greatest return I've seen live was the Jericho one that we saw live on Raw a few years ago because I did not yeah. see that coming. I mean, a lot of people expected the Hardy Boys, you could tell, based off like the delete chance and shit. It had been rumored. But no one really knew for a fact whether it would be back at WrestleMania on Raw, if at all. I mean, they just wrestled that weekend. So no one yeah. really knew if it was set in stone. So the fact that it happened and... 
you know, we're a huge Hardy Boys fan. I'm a huge Matt Hardy fan as well as Jeff. So seeing them come back at WrestleMania was unreal. Lost my voice for a week after that. So yeah, that was everything I imagined and much more. Um, it, it's got to surpass the Jericho moment, but not by much because that Jericho moment was also really, really cool at the Raw in Connecticut a few years ago. But yeah, this was unbelievable. And again, uh, you talk about moments or returns and the runs that each of these people had. Jericho is back for, we have not seen Jericho since he came back in July. Shelton Benjamin's been doing good with Chad Gable. Um, I think they could have brought him back as a single star first, but not that big of a deal. Paige has only been back for a month now, but the absolution thing is going well. Finn Balor's, I mean, it was a great moment, but the return itself has been very disappointing, like I said. That only really leaves the top two options with Angle and Hardy Boys. Angle's been the Raw GM. He's had a great run. But the Hardy Boys, I mean, night one, becoming Raw Tag Team Champions. It wasn't like a big pop. Like, oh, what a great reaction, what a great return, and that was it for one night only. I mean, these guys came back. They completed their expedition of gold by becoming the Ring of Honor TNA and Raw Tag Team Champions in the matter of a month, which was just completely unheard of, unprecedented. And then going on to reign as Tag Team Champions for a few months, having a great series of matches with Sheamus and Cesaro. And then it got cut short because Jeff got hurt, but Matt has been back doing the Woken thing. So it's been a great run for these guys in 2017, to say the least, I would say. I would agree wholeheartedly with you. So hopefully 2018 we see the return of the Broken Hardys or the Woken Hardys, whatever you want to call them, I guess we'll see. Um, So we go into our final few categories here, the most important one, in my opinion, the most important ones, in my opinion. So we got match of the year, and we had a lot of good matches, in my opinion. Again, I would still say 2016 had better matches on the whole, maybe just because with the Cruiserweight Classic and some stuff, but I still think the the choices I illustrated or put in this list here are among the, uh, the best of the bunch, the cream of the crop of 2017 for WWE and NXT. So we have AJ Styles versus John Cena from the Royal Rumble for the WWE title, which was WWE's match of the year, according to their list on .com a few days ago. We had the Authors of Pain versus DIY versus The Revival from TakeOver Orlando for the NXT Tag Team titles. Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne from TakeOver Chicago for the, Uni- uh, for the United Kingdom Championship. Brock Lesnar versus Samoa Joe versus Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns in a four-way for the Universal Belt at SummerSlam. Uh, one of the saving graces of that show. The New Day versus The Usos for the SmackDown Tag Team titles at Hell in a Cell, inside Hell in a Cell. And finally, from NXT TakeOver War Games, Aleister Black versus The Velveteen Dream. Um, not too, too shocking here. Um, this was my match of the year, and many others as well. We had a lot of other great matches. Like I said, Styles and Cena might be the main, might be the best main roster match of the year. Um, but I don't think that... Oh, that was the second... Uh, the second winner here that was the runner-up with eighteen point sixty-seven percent. Yeah. Then after that, with a close at a close third, Black and Dream at seventeen percent. Bait and Dunn number one with forty-nine point thirty-three percent of the vote from Takeover Chicago. Uh, your thoughts on that taking uh, running away, John, with the match of the year award? Well, I will say, in terms, of, I mean, match of the year more often than not is, is something that's decided or, or looked fondly upon. Mostly because it comes from a great rivalry, right? Mm-hmm. You can have a great Seth Rollins and Neville match on a summer edition of Raw for the WWE Championship, but since it doesn't really go anywhere or it wasn't a part of a huge rivalry, people will forget about that. So more often than not, it comes from a great storyline. And the AJ Styles John Cena storyline, going all the way back to May 2016, where AJ Styles first turned on John Cena and turned heel. Uh, is, is probably one of 
the best rivalries I've ever seen. I mean, one of the most fulfilling rivalries to watch, you know, as a fan. And I, I, it was just a, a dream scenario that came together in 2016 that, you know, ended in early 2017 at the World Rumble in front of 50,000 people. I mean, that added to the match. Obviously, the fact that they weren't just like a, a small 20,000 seater. They were, you know, in front of 50,000 people in San Antonio. And, um, I mean, and for all those reasons, I love AJ Styles vs. but I didn't think that their match at the Royal Rumble came even close to their match at SummerSlam 2016, mm-hmm. the one that you and I saw yep. uh, at, at the Barclays Center. And so I will agree that Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne, although it didn't necessarily have a huge, you know, angle storyline that AJ Styles vs. John Cena did, I'll say that this, I mean, just from watching this match, I mean, you, you could tell when you're watching it, before it even gets into, like, third gear, that this is a special match, these guys are really putting it all out on the line. And it was just, I think the reason people love it so much, it, it was just totally not a WWE-style match. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever agent was working for that match totally went against the time. And wasn't, you know, there was barely any rest for you know, there was no, you know, rolling out to the ring type stuff. I mean, these guys were going at it for a pile of them on it. It was fourth year for a long time. And, and no one could tell who was going to win that match. It was there back and forth, and they pulled out some crazy moves that, you know, people don't, aren't, aren't used to seeing on a, on, a, on a WWE, you know, program. And so I would say that for, this was shock and awe, the fact that Tyler Bate was Pete Dunne was clearly the, probably the best wrestled match at Chicago. Probably the best wrestled match of the year. I, I, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, it's tough because, like you said, this really wasn't much of a feud. They had one prior match at the UK tournament earlier in the year, which was also great. Um, this was way better. They had a third match in a recent episode of NXT, which was also tremendous. Yeah. But beyond that, I mean, these guys really weren't in NXT at all. Um, they just announced the match. It stole the show. The crowd was great, too, and I think that was why this match was better than the third match at the Full Sail University Arena, just because the crowd was so great. Um, but yeah, no real feud here. So that's why I would go with AJ and Cena as the match of the year for the main roster. From a wrestling standpoint, um, like you said, the, the SummerSlam match was definitely better. And that's not just because we were there. It just was a better match. Um, and I thought it told a better story. But that match was also really, really good. Um, but yeah, from an in-ring standpoint, pure match of the year. It's got to be bait and done. Um, the other matches, uh, I mean, they were also great. Um, that's why I was saying around War Games time, if... Black and Dream had won over everything else in this poll over Bait and Dunn. I wouldn't be mad at that just because it was a great match. And it also accomplished what you were talking about before in being a great feud. And the story they told was so great with the Say My Name stuff. And it made Velveteen Dream a star. Um, And we really haven't seen him much since since then. It was last month. But uh, I would go with that as one of the best matches of the year right behind Bait and Dunn from an in-ring standpoint. But... These guys put together a tremendous trilogy. Anyone who's seen Omega and Okada knows that was probably the best trilogy of matches all year from New Japan Pro Wrestling. But this one's a close second between Bate Dunn and, and uh, uh, Bate Dunn. I mean, Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate. Hopefully, we see more of both guys in 2018. Uh, so, a great year for NXT. I would say both matches were the two best matches of the year, in my opinion. But speaking of NXT, that was firing in all cylinders in 2017, along with tag team wrestling. Now, John, I know you and I have talked about this before, that we've had a lot of peaks and valleys with tag team wrestling over the last <laughs> four or five years. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes we're getting Rybaxel versus the Matadors. Like, it goes very much back and forth. It's very much hot and cold. 
Um, This year was a great year for tag team wrestling between NXT, Raw, and SmackDown. Um, We had two feuds of the year, I think. I think with the feud of the year earlier, um, maybe I didn't put it in there. I don't think I... I don't think I had the feud here. Oh, no, we did. We talked about it earlier. For some reason, I... I had wrote down Sheamus and Cesaro versus Ambrose and Rollins. I don't know why I don't... Oh, that's the Tag Team of the Year. Never mind. Um, but regardless, that was also a great feud. Uh, for Tag Team of the Year, we, for the candidates, we had Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. That's where I'm getting that from. I thought I had that as a feud of the year. But uh, them, okay. the Usos, Sheamus and Cesaro, the New Day, the Hardy Boys, and the Authors of Pain. I would have put DIY down too, but they broke up and they were only around for a yeah. few months in 2017. Um, but again, all these tag teams had great 2017s. I think all held gold at one point or another. Sheamus and Cesaro really came out of nowhere as a great tag team about a year ago. Truly. Probably the most interested I've ever been in Sheamus in WWE, to be quite honest with you. And we all know how great Cesaro is. Ambrose and Rollins haven't been around for too long, um, but they've been great. But this was a huge margin, huge, huge margin, with the Usos running away with 71.23% of the vote. That's crazy. I can't say I'm surprised. Uso crazy is what it is. Um, <laughs> I can't say I'm shocked. I mean, these guys reinvented themselves in 2016, but the matches, yep. the promos, everything they've done this year has been beyond, you know, beyond amazing, beyond brilliant. So I can't argue with this. I wholeheartedly agree with the Usos running away with the votes here. Uh, your thoughts, John, on the Usos and just tag team wrestling in general in 2017? I totally agree with this right here, man. The Usos are so fun to watch. They, they're The way they've revamped their careers is something that everyone should take note of, especially <clears throat> Roman Reigns. Now, the, <laughs> the, reason I, the reason I bring him into this conversation is because if there was anyone in, in the front office who was concerned with how, you know, maybe, or probably didn't even believe if the Usos could regain this much popularity as kind of like a, a heel, you know, emo, like, you know, just like street tag team, then there's no reason that they, because they, I mean, they, they did a huge left turn going from basically the Wild Samoans 2.0. To, to, to something totally different and totally new and what they're doing right now, and it works. I mean, they are over. They are really over on SmackDown. People love listening to them. People love what they – I mean, they just turn out great match after great match, and people take notice of that, and it's something that they should say, if it worked for them, let's do the same thing with Roman Reigns. Because if – I mean, uh, of course, here we are three years after – you know, Roman Reigns really came out of the scene as a singles competitor. So talking about how he's the most polarizing figure in wrestling. But I was the first person who said as soon as the Usos did this heel turn to, to what they're doing now, Roman Reigns should have joined them. And like, not not necessarily a three-man stable, but just kind of an alliance where they're just like, you know, from the same family, don't really give a fuck. Like, just kind of like, like you know, Uso Asylum, baby. Like, I don't know. This, this just... <laughs> like a niche that they found with these two characters it's i i have to say when i watch when i watch the usos i think a lot of like the same swagger and the same kind of like bravado that nba players have you know they kind of just like 
you know, they go they go in whenever they're playing a game or something. They go in and they and they lock and they just they just do they do their thing. They play their game and then they talk that talk at like after the game and they'll mm-hmm. say whatever they want. They have, they have no they don't care. And if someone gets in their way, they'll they'll talk about it on on the world stage. And the, and the Usos, I, I could see a lot of that in them, like channeling like their inner NBA player or something. So I think that that is such a cool idea. And I think that it's perfect if Roman Reigns were to do the same thing. But alas, it doesn't look like he will capitalize on the popularity that the Usos have found in doing this new kind of innovative, like stepping away from the wild Samoans, I guess. What's cool is that I think they've only really crossed paths on TV a few times since the Usos went heel, but Roman's been on Raw the entire time. The Usos have been on SmackDown. So I'm thinking the Usos go to Raw in the next Superstar Shake-Up, whatever they're going to call it, um, after WrestleMania, because they've pretty much beaten everyone on SmackDown at this point. Um, so I would move the Usos over to Raw for some fresh competition, and maybe that's when we get some sort of an alliance, or you could do something similar to what we got a few years ago. I mean, it, ironically, they were feeding with Roman and uh, the Usos, but with AJ and uh, Anderson and Gallows, where they were trying to turn yep. him heel, they were trying to align, and AJ's like, no, I don't want to be with you, and... But they had that soft alliance, and then eventually went heel like it was a great moment. So maybe at some point we can get that with the Usos and Roman. But yeah, these guys are great all year. Whether it was Brizongo, The New Day, Sheamus and Cesaro, American Alpha, these guys have had great matches with everyone they've been in the ring with. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else they do going forward. But John, real quick in regards to the Usos, do you believe that these guys might be one of the greatest tag teams of all time? Now, with Edge and Christian and all these other tag teams, the Dudley Boys, in WWE history I'm talking about, they were together in the company for only a few years. The Usos have been going nonstop since 2010. And you said it right there. They continue to reinvent themselves. When they were doing nothing with Tamina, they broke off from her and started doing the, the chanting in their entrance. When that kind of died down a little bit, they had the face pain. When that died down, they went heel. They keep on reinventing themselves. They're like the Chris Jericho of tag team wrestling. Uh, do you yeah. think going forward, when all is said and done, and they're not slowing down anytime soon, could these guys be considered one of the greatest tag teams of all time? Without question. Without question. It's not even, it's not even a hard question, Graham. And I think, one, the, one, the longevity that you brought up is, can only help them in terms of looking back fondly on their career. The fact that they've been together for so long, they specialize in tag team wrestling, uh, it, it's just it's so great to see that kind of commitment to, to the tag team division for these guys. But also, I think the thing that makes them so great, you don't, don't count the title wins, you know, don't count you know, how many times they reinvented themselves. Just plain and simple, look at the matches they've had. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked we, we talked about earlier when we were talking about match of the year, you know, how, how well they did with the with the New Day. But that doesn't even scratch the surface with how many match of the year candidate like type matches. Remember when they were feuding with uh, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper yep. for like a three pay per view stretch and they opened up like every pay per view and just got the crowd going crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've had Awesome matches throughout their entire career, and I mean that that can only help their greatest of all time, like tag team, in, in terms of that conversation. But I think absolutely, I would put them above a lot of other notable tag teams because they've been so cohesive and, and, and they've been in the game for so long, and they've been doing it for so well. And you also got to consider, too, I mean, these guys have been around in the main roster, not even FCW, but the main roster since 2010. That's right around the same time that we got the Colognes, Primo and Epico, who have gone around as the Matadors and the Shining Stars, the Colognes, whatever. 
They've been around for the same period of time, and it's not even close in terms of the matches they've had, the promos they've cut, the character work. And not just because they've been together for 20 years or whatever uh, doesn't mean that they're a great tag team. It's the work they've done in that time. Like you said, the Usos with either the Wyatt family, the New Age Outlaws, the Shield, the Rhodes Brothers, Golden Stardust, every tag team from 2011 to 2017. It's been incredible. And the cool thing is they keep on, they keep on bringing out new tag teams for these guys to work with. So hopefully, yep. like I said, if they move to Raw next year, if they reunite Matt and Jeff, we can finally get that dream feud of sorts. Them versus maybe the Shield again. Them versus versus the Bar. More matches from them. So yeah, I would definitely agree. They're one of the greatest tag teams of all time, hands down. No argument there. Women's Wrestler of the Year. So the women's wrestling in WWE was not as hot in my opinion as it was in 2016, but still a lot of great athletes. So we had Alexa Bliss, Charlotte Flair, Asuka, Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Natalia. Natalia winning the poll with absolutely no votes whatsoever. Um, the only person in the entire, oh, I'm sure this has happened before, I can't recall, but she got zero votes. That cannot be said for any other category in this entire, um, installment of the Year in Review Awards. So, Natalia getting zero percent, uh, Sasha Banks with one percent, we had Charlotte Flair with five, which kind of surprised me, but this was not her best year. Naomi getting nine percent, which was cool, she had a good year. Alexa Bliss with 38.36, and Asuka with 45.21%. And again, this takes into account NXT and main roster stuff. So the fact that Asuka won this out, having been champion for nine months in NXT and having dominated on Raw in recent months, this comes as no surprise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Asuka, Asuka's the type of person who you have to build your division around. I mean, Charles also has that, that kind of veteran and just you know, reliable quality I think that Oscar has, but Oscar has just impressed me to no end throughout 2017. Now, I did, um, I did read something the other day where someone had, someone had talked about how she had become a lot less appealing since she jumped to the main roster. And I can't say that I entirely agree with that because she is just so enigmatic and I think she is just a great character. But I think even if you just look at her NXT work from 2017, I think she still runs away with this poll. Because to be perfectly honest, Charlotte Flair, being my favorite women's wrestler right now, I, her as a baby face really hasn't done it for me all year. And Alexa Bliss, as mu- and this might be an unpopular opinion, it probably is, but as much as people are in love with Alexa Bliss, I do not enjoy her whatsoever. I think I think she is just the worst. In terms of, like, you know, suspension of disbelief, I don't look at her and think, like, wow, like, she's someone who can compete with an Asuka or a Charlotte Flair. And to be honest, when she's on the mic, I, I, she doesn't really get a, you know, a garner of reaction from me. Um, so the fact that Alexa Bliss, I mean, I get that people are really, you know, enjoying the work she's doing, and, and I, I get that she is doing, like, objectively well as far as, you know, spinning the pot in the women's division, but Oscar, I think, is absolutely the right choice here. I think you have to. I mean, also considering the fact that when you go with matches, I know Alexa Bliss won several titles this year, but with you go, when you go with Asuka... And the fact that she was also champion for the better part of 2017 uh, and, um, in NXT. But, I mean, she had some good matches in 2016, some very good matches, including one that we saw ourselves with Bailey in Brooklyn at Brooklyn 2 uh, TakeOver. But we also had this year Ember Moon and Asuka in Brooklyn 3, which was probably, again, one of, 
eh, I would say the best women's match we've had all year. And we've had some good ones, but I would say that was probably the best. Um, the story they told, it was phenomenal. The first match in Orlando was really good. Her and Nikki Cross on a random episode of NXT was a last woman standing match. The first ever last woman standing match we've ever had in WWE. Um, that yeah. was really, really good. So yeah, I would go with Asuka. Alexa Bliss, I mean, I enjoy her work. She hasn't had many great matches this year. The matches with Banks were pretty good. The matches with Bailey were fucking terrible. Um, and Asuka and, or um, excuse me, Alexa and Mickey James were mediocre at best. So, I mean, I'm hoping they kind of move away. Like, how Charlotte was, like, the centerpiece of the women's division in 2016. That's what Bliss was to 2017. But I hope they kind of move toward Asuka and maybe getting back to Charlotte heading into 2018. And maybe mix in Becky Lynch and a few others. Natalia was champion for a few months, but Natalia does nothing for me. Literally (laughs) at all in 2017. I am sorry, but that was just, I did not enjoy any of her title run at all. Um, One thing to really get into right here, and I'll, I'll try and keep it as short as possible, but Sasha Banks, 1% of the vote. <laughs> Sasha Banks. And this is someone who will probably, when it's all said, they'll probably go down as one of the greatest women wrestlers in WWE. Yeah, history, yeah. Like, 1% of the vote. And I am entirely, you know, I, I oblige this 1%. And I have to talk to you about this real quick. Is Sasha Banks just the worst these days like i'm sorry i see her and just think like yawn next her her as a baby face one is just does nothing for me and two <laughs> i think she's insufferable lately i think she's just like the way the way she's promoted i i, I think it's it's this the way she's promoted for monday night raw like she's like She's definitely, like, on all the production trucks. She's on, like, you know, all the, you know, you know, coasters and everything. And she's she's highly touted as, like, a, an attraction for Monday Night Raw. And then you see her, and I'm sorry, but her character is just so flat. Like, there's nothing appealing to, to her about me. Like, as far as, as far as, like, her just inability to hold a title for more than a week. Or the fact that, you know, like... She's just, you know, crying every chance she gets. Or, like, how she... I don't know. She just does nothing for me. She doesn't move the dial whatsoever for me. I gotta agree. Sasha as a babyface has been horrid in 2017. It has been so bad. And it just blows my mind that around this time, about a year ago, we were talking about maybe, okay, Sasha's gonna go heel soon and feud with Bailey. Bailey, I didn't even include on this list because she had a terrible year. I know she was champion for a few months. She had even probably a worse year than Banks. Um, her character work has also been pretty terrible too. But um, that being said, Sasha is just way worse at this point. I mean, she's probably in the same level as Bailey in, term of, in terms of being uninteresting. But wow, it's really what a difference a year makes from going to a match that was so anticipated, a rematch from Takeover a few years ago in Brooklyn, to now no one cares about either woman getting beat. By this one, by uh, absolution, week in and week out, as they should be. But it's like, look at where they were a year ago. It's crazy. Yeah. And didn't even yeah. put, even didn't even bother to put Becky in the list. And I love Becky, but she did nothing this year either. Uh, Mickey James was very disappointing in 2017, and the fact that they brought her back in the way they did. But I think I got to agree I noticed, with that. I also noticed no Nia Jax on the poll either. No Nia Jax. I mean, she did well. But it's this. It feels like she's getting the Beth Phoenix push, where it's like we got to protect her, but we're not going to do anything with her for the most part. She hasn't even won a championship yeah. yet. She was at WrestleMania, which is cool. She's been in multiple title matches this year, 
but I thought the other women did more. All the other women held gold. Nia Jax did not, and she did really didn't. I mean, I don't think a feud with Enzo Amore is really going to change my opinion on that anytime <laughs> soon. Um, but I do think she has potential. I just don't know. In 2017, they didn't really use her to the best of their ability. But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe this feud with Enzo or thing with Enzo turns out better than we all hope. I, I doubt it. <laughs> headlining, yeah, sure. he- headlining 205 live events, I don't think it's going to do much to make people care about her. So we go from that to finally the wrestler of the year. We had a lot of great people stand out, but one stood uh, head over heels as the best, which I'll get to in a second. But the candidates were. Oh, sorry. Go this ahead. This is the most. This is the most surprising poll. This when I when I saw this, this was absolutely the most surprising for me. I can't say I was the most shocked um, by this one in regard. You know, in, compared to the others, but I would have gone with someone else. But we had Brock Lesnar, AJ Styles, Braun Strowman. Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, and Bobby Roode. Again, taking into account, I know Bobby Roode's been facing Baron Corbin on SmackDown for the last month, but he was NXT champion for the better part of the year. Um, Samoa Joe had great work. Kevin Owens, we talked about earlier, in my opinion, was an MVP. Probably deserved, definitely deserved more votes than what he got. Lesnar didn't have the greatest 2017, had a way better 2017 than 2016. Uh, He was champion for the better part of the year, but got 1% of the vote, which shocked the hell out of me. Uh, So we get down to AJ and Braun. Braun takes home the victory with 46.67% of the vote. And then AJ Styles, the runner-up, very close at 42.67%. Now, I would go with AJ just because no matter whether he was in the main event or a mid-card, upper mid-card, whatever, he was the most valuable player for WWE this year. If you take away AJ, this year would be a lot a lot worse than what it was. Strowman was also great. I know he didn't win any championships. We talked about earlier really um, rose to the occasion in the matches with Roman. But I just got to go with AJ because I think with Braun, he didn't even wrestle at WrestleMania. The guy was on the kickoff show. They had him lose to Brock in what was, I thought, a terrible match. And the babyface turn has been fine, but the feud with Kane has been pretty abysmal. AJ, I mean, the Kevin Owens feud was not as good as it could have been, but he still became a two-time U.S. champion, uh, entered the year as WWE champion, had a match of the year with John Cena, closes out the year as WWE champion, gave Jinder his best match yet, which is, you know, not saying much, but it was still a very good match. And, <laughs> great um, match with Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series. Great match with Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series, and a great match with Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. So in my opinion, it's got to be AJ, but the people said Braun. I, too, would have gone with AJ Styles, and I think that he's absolutely deserving. Only because, I mean... Yeah, AJ Styles is going to have five-star match after five-star match. So at this point, it seems like, well, you can't just judge him on his matches because he can have a good good match with anyone, right? But for me, what puts AJ over the top is how he came into the the year, had a match of the year candidate with Jonathan at the Rumble to start off 2017, right? And then, I didn't want to discuss it during um, the feud of the year, but a very, very underrated feud that took place this year was AJ Styles versus Shane McMahon. Mm-hmm. And that was some that was something that I thoroughly enjoyed. I do believe they they, they were one of the, the top three matches at WrestleMania. Like you said, they they, they probably stole the show at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And then I, I loved how you get the eventual babyface turn, but they still when when AJ was feuding I mean, was in the summer, they still, you know, went back to AJ's, you know, past problems with Shane McMahon, who yep. was a special guest referee. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I thought that AJ's character work has been tying Shane Man feud in the summer, and then once he gets the fall, AJ wins the WWE Championship again. So it's 
in, overseas, no less. Not even in the United first first yep. one the WWE Championship, not in not in North America. So I, I don't know. AJ Styles just he is everything that you could ask for. His WWE run has been legendary, historic, and he's only he's going on his, his third year up in January. So uh, he. He is a special, special talent. I think he is is the rightful wrestle of the year. But then I think it's also a testament to how how much Braun Strowman has gotten over that he won this poll. Yeah, I mean, I think Braun's going to have an even bigger 2018, depending on who they put him with. Um, I think Kane might not be the right equation, but hopefully he wins gold at some point this year. Um, but yeah, AJ, I mean, the guy's only been here for two years. He's already a two-time U.S. champion, a two-time WWE champion, and by far the wrestler, the best wrestler in the entire company, if not the entire world. I mean, this guy is killing it right now and is really one of the main reasons to tune into SmackDown and to tune into WWE programming every single week. Um, I would hope the rumors are not true that he's going to be retiring in a few years because this guy has a lot left in the tank if his last two years in the company have been any indication. And there's some guys that, you know, feel limited or it's like they're not being used their full potential or their matches could be better. Look, a guy like Shinsuke Nakamura, I think he's a lot better than the company gives him credit for or allows him to do in the ring. AJ, it seems like even when held back a bit, is still fucking phenomenal. So, I mean, the guy's yeah. been killing it. Um, Absolutely. So I think 2018 will be another big year for AJ. I would go with AJ, but not too surprised that Braun won. Um, I would have gone with AJ, though, so... As we close out, John, we already talked about the, about the year on the whole for WWE in 2017. I do have one last question for you. So today, December 28th, a perfect day to talk about um, the year oh. in review. Have you on the show? Because I was watching it earlier on the network before I called you. The eight-year anniversary of Raw at the XL Center in Hartford, my first Raw yeah. show, your first Raw show, uh, anything you remember specifically from that show eight years ago today? Oh, well, what was it? John Cena versus Sheamus for the <laughs> WWE Championship for the main event? Yep. Timber- Timberland as the, the Raw guest host. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think I did go back and, and watch that Raw not too long ago, and I can only think about just how bad it was. It was so <laughs> unenjoyable. But I, Chris Chris Jericho is pretty entertaining. He was what, he was boycotting Raw or something like that. Yeah, on the outside, yeah. Like, yeah, he was like traded or something and couldn't get in. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's that's very I, I forgot until you said December twenty eighth. I looked at the calendar right in front of me. Oh my god, it's the what the nine year anniversary? You said? Eight, eight, eight year, year anniversary at this point. Wow. That's crazy. Time flies, man. I I remember going to that show like it was yesterday. I know, dude. Time certainly does fly. It feels like it was just yesterday. And at the time, we were like, wow, that was the greatest show I've ever seen. It's like... (laughs) We got... That was the, uh, I think that was, no, we, we had gone to a few Northeast shows at that point. That wasn't the first wrestling show we had been to, but our first WWE show no. together. Um, I think yep. the last one to D, I don't think we've been to a show together since the Raw after SummerSlam. Is that correct? That was 2016, yeah. Yeah, in 2016. I, I would say when so, Bailey uh, debuted. Yeah, when Bailey debuted. Yeah, at the Barclays Center. Yeah, that would, that would be the last time, yeah. 
That was the last time. So at the end, we got to get to one. We do have to get to one. So that being said, I humbly invite you at the end of this episode, one month's time, I got a ticket, um, Christmas gift to you, my friend, to the 25th anniversary of Raw at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. If you're up for it, it's on the Monday before the Rumble if you're interested. Oh, Graham, I am there, man. You already know. (laughs) I would buy a ticket anyway, but thank you so much. No worries, brother. No, yeah, you're definitely in. As long as you're free that day and you can go, we definitely got to go. No, and it's I'll gonna... be free. I'll be free. And, Sounds and good. the cool thing is, um, since I still be on holiday from school, yes. I mean, I, 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 I work at the Barclays Center, at, you know, for, for the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, It's so easy to get to and from there now. We don't have to worry about, uh, you know, all the, all the traveling problems. Too. <laughs> that, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, it should be great. Yeah, and there are many traveling problems in Brooklyn and the subway and the train and all that other stuff. And leaving at 1 o'clock in the morning and back at 3 o'clock. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, it should be a fun time, especially because any other any Raw would be good. Any show at the Barclays Center. We've always had a good time whenever we've been there for SummerSlam weekend. Um, but it is the 25th anniversary, so it should be hopefully a big show and not like the 20th anniversary when they only brought back like Mick Foley and nobody else. <laughs> and hopefully it's Raw 1000-esque, which we did watch together five years ago. Um, oh, yeah. So hopefully it's as good as that show is going to be. So we got that to look a forward to. Of, uh, a little bit of insider information, actually, mm-hmm. because I do work in the event levels, which is basically the basement of the Barclays Center. Yep. And one, one cool thing that they do down there is they have like framed, like framed professional photographs of like all the events that have come through the Barclays Center mm-hmm. and I love I love walking around the arena and seeing all the WWE pictures they have like they have a picture of SummerSlam 2017 SummerSlam 2016 they have you know Daniel Bryan flying off the top rope uh, hitting Randy Orton with a drop kick from like 2013 there really cool stuff at the Barclays Center that's pretty sick and the Barclays Center they've only been having shows there for the past five years or so it's a relatively new arena yeah. isn't it yeah it is yeah, so they always have good shows there. They always deliver. The, Bro- the the Brooklyn crowd is always awesome, so it's a great arena to go to, and that'll be fun to attend in just one month's time. So, John, that being said, awesome to have you back here on WrestleRant Radio. I'm sure we will hang out soon in person. It's great to have you on the phone. It's even better to do these podcasts in person, so we might record something next time we hang out, hopefully in the near future, and maybe we watch the first Raw or the second Raw, whatever, of 2018 together, but in the meantime, dude, before the next time I talk to you, uh, absolutely, absolutely, but uh, before I let you go, anything you'd like to plug for the people, any of their final thoughts? So you guys can follow me at underscore John Knapp on Twitter, and uh, yeah, man, great, this has been a lot of fun, thank you. Absolutely, John, great talking, I'll catch you in the road, brother. I'll check you later, man. All right, happy new year, I'll talk to you soon. You too, bye. Peace. And before we close out the final Wrestle Rant Radio of 2017, a big thank you to all you fine folks for voting in the 2017 WWE slash NXT Year and Review Awards only right here on NextAirWrestling.net. Looking forward to doing it once again next December. So in the meantime and in between time, guys, you can find me on the socials at WrestleRant on Twitter, on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, on YouTube as well at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, and one last time as well, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app. Subscribe to the show, rate the show, review the show. All that stuff is greatly appreciated. So all that being said, folks, we will be back in 2018 with the first episode of the new year. What we'll be talking about, who we'll be talking about with, I have no idea yet. But we'll deal with it when we get there. In the meantime, guys, have a very happy new year. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road in 2018.
Bye.